Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixed Down. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixed Down. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. This is Communication Mixed Down, and we're here for another week. I'm Jennifer Martin, and co-presenter with me, John Langer. This week, we're looking at television, or to be exact, some contemporary Australian television, drama and current affairs documentary. But this show, I'm going to take it easy. I'm just going to twiddle the knobs and the dials and leave you with John. Well, Is Australia Racist? That's the name of a one-hour-style program that was screened on SBS2 about two weeks ago. The show was hosted by Ray Martin, that great television stalwart, and it was part of the SBS week-long series Facing Up to Racism. It's a good question. Or is it? The program generated lots of commentary. Liz J... uh, Excuse me, I'll say her name again. Liz Jufray was one of those putting what I thought were some useful points of view. She's a lecturer and researcher in media and communication at the University of Technology in Sydney, and I spoke to her earlier in the week. Now, Liz, I've got to confess something to you. I wasn't going to watch this program. I thought it would just irritate me. And actually, until I read your piece, I I wasn't going to watch it. Your piece in the conversation convinced me to watch it. So... Very briefly, I've watched it, you've watched it. Tell tell everybody listening what the show was about and what, what did it do. Sure. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you. That's a nice thing to say about the piece. Um, so the show was, and I have to agree, it's not the type of thing that I would normally sit down and watch either. What got me in, what drew me in, I guess, was having Ray Martin host it. So the idea is, it was, you know, a reasonably bland question, is Australia racist? The idea is that actually combine popular journalism with some academic research. So there's a big uh, survey that came out of Western Sydney University, a big ongoing um, research group that are exploring issues relating to racism in Australia. And rather than just speculating or taking little kind of isolated incidences or reports, these uh, this group of researchers have surveyed, I think they're up to nearly 7,000 people they've surveyed so far, in-depth questions, actually exploring the issue of racism um, and so what the program did was they used that research that the Western Sydney um, researchers had put together and used some of their survey results, and then they went and tested them for want of a better description or illuminated them by putting little case studies out there and, you know, showing, I guess, dramatising even the results. The way the show was put together was they did a number of what they called experiments, and I guess you could say there were staged scenarios. And tell us a little bit about those. And and you said in your piece that several of them were very uncomfortable to watch. 
Yeah, yeah. So what they did, they they put together a little, I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm not a legal scholar, but I guess they, were, they almost looked kind of like racism entrapment scenarios. You know, so you'd have, for example, there was a woman who went out in a niqab, uh, full niqab, she went out in public to test would she be abused. There was another staging of, which unfortunately she was, there was another staging of uh, a woman who looked like she was an African refugee. She actually wasn't. She was an Australian citizen, I think. She'd, be, she'd certainly been here a long time. She wasn't, the cliche says, fresh off the boat. Um, so she was standing at a bus stop and they staged two white, apparently white young people to hurl abuse at her and see if anybody would come at this, um, come to this person's defence. There was also a scenario where a young white man and a young Indigenous man both were set up to go and try and unlock a bicycle that was that was locked up in the middle of a square. The young white man went and did it. Nobody asked him any questions. The young Indigenous man didn't get very far into the endeavour before he was come upon by police quite violently. Um, and the producers of the program, the white producers of the program, actually had to go in and step in and come to this man's aid. And that one in particular was the one I found most disturbing, not only because of the way this young man was treated in the scenario, but also there was a talking head before and afterwards with that young man, and he was just so clearly struck, you know, not not necessarily physically, although he was struck physically, but emotionally, the fact that he was treated so very differently to another young man who, in all intent and purposes, is exactly the same as him, except for the fact for the colour of his skin. This young man was not asked anything. He wasn't given any right of reply. He was simply handcuffed, pushed to the ground, assumed to be a criminal simply because of the way he looked. And I think that one was particularly uncomfortable because it just showed very, very clearly and very, very quickly, you know, how somebody can be profiled and how you know, how often this is happening, you know. And it also then brought to mind that this is a daily reality for people who are minorities. I, I particularly found that sequence where the the woman in the um, in Muslim dress was abused by that guy and he, he just yeah. he just kept going on and on at her and it yeah. was it was really awful to watch but look I, I want to turn a little bit to something that again that you you wrote about and I, I thought thought was a really important point you say that one of the keys to racism which which really uh, is central to to the whole discussion was was really left to the end of the program and that is the role of the media and your view was, as I understood it, was that was something that seemed to be, it was kind of like an afterthought even, and, and Ray Martin was, was particularly puzzled by the impact that media might have on people's attitudes. That really struck me. And I mean, you know, again, I sort of have to think, because I'm a, you know, I'm a media scholar, so there's part of me that in some ways the media is always at the front of my mind. But in the other way, again, as I thought, if you have somebody like Ray Martin hosting this, and Ray Martin's been in the industry 50 years. He's won five gold logies. He's been on air for a very long time with a huge amount of different types of um, programs, in particular a current affair where he very famously, you know, was vilifying, you know, um, there was a famous incident with some Paxton, the, the family called the Paxton mm-hmm. kids who were, you know, apparently no hopers and Ray sort of went after them. So, you know, I mean, he's, his bread and butter has been in using the media to engage an audience, dare I say. Maybe, maybe you know, I'm not going to go as far as saying he's been a manipulator for his entire career because, of course, he hasn't, but engagement is his bread and butter. So to have him so so late in the piece and so frankly and so candidly say that he was shocked 
that media framing, number one, he seemed to be shocked that framing even existed, which I thought, surely not, Ray, come on, you know. <laughs> and num- number two, he hasn't, he, he, hasn't do, he hasn't done media studies one. <laughs> well, but he's lived it. He doesn't need to study it. This is the thing. I mean, he, he has lived it. I just find it bizarre that nobody has ever said to him, you know that thing that you do mm. where you stop and stand and you use a slow voice and you look the camera mm. straight, you look right down the barrel of the camera as if you're looking to someone's lounge room and you, you know, you laugh or you say mate rather than, you know what I mean? That tone mm-hmm. of address, that stuff's all gut to him and we study it to understand how it works. But at the same time, the fact that he, you know, that he would say that, that he, he was shocked at the power of the media, I thought was really... Unfortunate, and there was an irony there too, because of course here we are watching a program that's saying to us, "Do we think that you know is Australia racist?" Mm. And you know, when he wrapped it up at the end and sort of said, "Oh well, you know, it's up to us what we do," mm. you know, it was kind of like it was kind of like Uncle Ray saying to us all, "Don't worry, it'll be okay." You know, <laughs> it's, we will be all right if we just sort of be nice to each other. You know, so. It was a real, mm. I, I thought it was a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. I want to throw something else out in our discussion. It's something that I, I was uh, very disturbed by, and that was the role of surveillance in this program. And mm. the thing that I'm thinking about is all the scenarios that they did, the so-called experiments, used things like hidden cameras, yeah. uh, hidden microphones, even lenses using glasses that people wore as lenses where we were ex- it was explained to us that we would be seeing racism from the point of view of the person being abused and i, I just felt this was a a way of i guess i would use the term normalizing surveillance have you got a comment on that from from a viewer's point of view i felt the same way as you i sort of felt it was a bit kind of strange that you know this was happening i mean um, I'm not a, again. I'm not a legal scholar, but what I know about television production is that in order to be able to identify people, I imagine they would have had to get clearance to actually broadcast those those pieces. And we don't know how many other things they filmed where somebody who was captured turned around and said, "Actually, no, I'm not giving you clearance to use that." You know, there may have been much worse incidents or much better incidents where members of the public were captured, as you say, and then don't give their agreement to be to be shown. And if you had a look, some of those people's identities were blanked out, you know, the classic fuzzy face thing that they do. So there is still a level of consent that has to happen in order for things to be broadcast and people's identities to be revealed. But, I mean, it does open an interesting question to why did they feel they had to go undercover? Is Were they trying to demonstrate that there is some kind of shame around racism or that people do it when they think that they're not being watched, you know, is the implication that if you'd, if you'd asked them to come onto a film mm. set, there was mm. obviously a film set that they wouldn't have acted in the way that they did, you know, which is also interesting because all of these things were still happening in public. They were happening, you know, nothing was happening behind closed doors as it was. So it did reveal that kind of question, I think, of what are, what's what's acceptable racism and are people racist in the street and is that just something that, you know, just happens, you know? And, and then I guess it also raises the question of what what's the job of those of us that see that happening? Do we, do we need to kind of sneak up behind people or can we be out and out, you know, in our responses to that? Liz, I want to thank you very much for being on Communication Mixdown. We could talk more about this and maybe we will later on in the year if other programs like this come up. No problem. Thanks very much. Unemployed? Underemployed? Receiving Social Security? 
getting bullied, penalised or harassed by your job agent or Centrelink. The Australian Unemployed Workers Union is for you. You have rights. Find out more or get involved by going to our website on unemployedworkersunion.com or by calling our National Advocacy Hotline on 03 83 It's time to fight back. A 3CR supporter. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. And uh, before that, we were talking to Liz Jufre. She's a lecturer and researcher in media and communication at the University of Technology in Sydney. And she was talking there about the SBS program, Is Australia Racist? And if you haven't seen it, and if you don't find it too irritating, I suppose you won't know if it's going to be irritating until you see it. But it's available online at the SBS website. And we'll put the details of Liz's article in the conversation on our website, Communication Mixdown. It's in the 3CR radio station website. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to Fill in the Dots. You know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to, yes, Fill in the Dots. 3CR Community Radio, you got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 855am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell. Well, lots of questions about television this week, so let's throw in another one. What do the recent miniseries Hogs about the life of Paul Hogan and the Fair Work Commission ruling regarding reduced Sunday penalty rates for workers have in common. Now, it's not my question. It's been asked by Sarah Atfield. She's a teaching fellow at in communications at the University of Technology, Sydney, and she's with Communication Mixed Down to explain why she decided to ask that question. Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, tell us, why did you decide to ask that question and, more particularly, write an opinion piece about it? Well, they might seem like unlikely an unlikely combination, but um, I'd watched the miniseries Hoves, and on Hoves, I mean, it's a sort of conventional biopic about um, the rise of Paul Hogan. But what was interesting to me is that Paul Hogan's character started off as a, as a working-class bloke. So that, I, I watched that, parked that, and then the ruling came down from the Fair Work Commission, and it started me thinking about representation of working class people on screen. And I thought, well, if we had more representation of the sorts of people who are going to be affected by the Fair Work Commission's ruling, then maybe we would have different opinions about the value of the work they do, about the sorts of things um, and the value that those, those workers give to society, and maybe there would be less chance of things like penalty rates being cut. That's how they sort of combined. <laughs> It's a very a very nice connection you've made there, actually. And uh, something else that you wrote, you said, and I'll just quote you, how often do we see retail, hospitality, and fast food workers on the small screen? And you go on to suggest that 
in soaps you do, but um, you were looking specifically at, I would call them premier Australian dramas, first-run premier Australian dramas. Give us a few examples of, of those ones that you were had in mind. Of the dramas, well, I mean, some of them would be, for example, shows on the ABC, such as Rake. Um, recently, there's the, um, the Janet King show um, on the commercial stations where there are shows like Offspring and so on. Shows that generally feature middle-class professionals. I should make it clear, I'm not saying that these shows aren't good because they're, they're, most of them are fantastic. They are great pieces of television, but I was interested in why there's this emphasis on the middle-class professionals in the uh, Australian drama and not on working-class characters. Now, you, in your discussion, you've said that Australian drama tends not to have particular working-class focus in the in the drama area. And 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 what I, I was thinking about this when I was sort of devising some questions for you, in the nonfiction area, maybe you, you've thought about this, I'll just throw this out to you anyway, but you do sort of in passing make mention of reality TV. There are have also been a number of, I would call them, I suppose, television documentaries that have dealt with, I suppose, what you might call working class people and families. And there have been a number of comedies uh, Australian comedies like, for example, Pizza, Upper Middle Class, Upper Middle Bogan, and there's a there's there was a, a very controversial uh, show that was on um, a while ago called Struggle Street, which was a very controversial at the time as well. I'm just wondering if you could make some comment. Is there is there some way that um, I suppose the working class in some ways gets corralled into particular kinds of genres? I think so. I think. There are, there's a bit of a difference between some of the reality TV shows that focus on a particular type of work. So I think I mentioned in the article about the show Outback Truckers or that kind of thing that, that does focus on, on the work that people do. Uh, and they sort of present themselves as a, a, a fly-on-the-wall documentary style. And there are shows about police officers and um, emergency workers and so on that do feature working-class people. Um, I think they, they're... They could do that reasonably well. Um, at least they do show people doing their work. Other shows such as um, Struggle Street, I think, are more problematic because um, the communities that they focus on are vulnerable communities. And the overall representation was, in my opinion, really through a middle-class lens. Um, although the, uh, the working-class subjects did have time on screen to talk about their lives, I think the framing of the of the subjects was not as sympathetic as it could have been, and therefore problematic. Um, and I think misunderstood too. I think for many non-working class viewers, wouldn't really understand that kind of life, and and therefore would have missed some of the nuance of every everyday life for the subjects. Um, comment. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was going to say uh, what I read about it was that it was so controversial. People from the community actually went to the SBS office in a, in a demonstration, in a rally? That's right. There were, there were um, people in the community who were unhappy with it. There are um, comments from some of the subjects who said they were absolutely fine with it and that they felt that they were portrayed in an in a honest um, way. Um, I think the problem is, is um, how the viewer perceives such a show as Struggle Street. If the viewer is middle class and has no understanding or comprehension of, of the life of the people who are represented and that they might be easy to or too quick to judge not really understanding the you know the complexities and the nuance of, of life for those for those subjects. I think that was the problem being represented through a middle class lens 
and then being judged through a middle-class lens as well. So that, that's my kind of issue with a show like Struggle Street. I want to turn to another show because I guess you, you have been scanning the whole range of Australian television. A show like Please Like Me, which is, uh, was an uh, ABC show, it was very popular, at least, uh, I guess, in, in, in a certain demographic. Um, to me, it was a show. Now, look, I might be being very reductionist. Obviously, it had the gay, uh, the gay non-hetero kind of discourse in it. But it seemed to me that the people that were involved in it, the main characters, were part of what I would call the pre- precariat. That is, they were, they were young people who basically, I mean, in some respects, they were the retail sector. They are the people who are on part-time jobs, casual work, and so on. I, I, I agree, and, and by the way, I think it was a great show, um, very well written and performed. But um, I think the difference is, yes, you're right, the precarious work is represented in shows like that, young people, um, you know, maybe possibly students. Often for, for that kind of demographic, the position is more temporary, it's more transient. Um, maybe they're studying, they, they, would, you know, they might have more um, cultural educational capital, but then later on they might be able to exchange for more economic capital. That is not necessarily the case for working class workers in the same sorts of jobs who, um, who haven't got that access to the other kinds of capital to exchange later. So I think there's a little bit of a difference there between portraying the young um, uh, people working in precarious jobs in a similar way to the uh, characters in Please Like Me, to those who uh, are working in retail, fast food and hospitality on a more permanent basis. Now, uh, again, jumping off from what you wrote and getting me thinking about this, I've just seen a Ken Loach movie, and I'm sure you've seen mm-hmm. a few of them yourselves. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a filmmaker working very much around the working class in the UK, um, I guess, this setting. Uh, is, do you think that's sort of um, not so much filmmaking, but something the way he uses that sort of frame to, to do stuff, is that possible on television here? I think it is absolutely possible. Um, I don't see why that isn't possible at all. I mean, actually, the sort of style of filmmaking that, that Ken Loach makes, his, his films are realist in mode. Um, there's um, there's a not, not an expensive kind of production that goes behind them. So that sort of realist mode of storytelling is, is quite possible, you know, in the sorts of restrictions that Australian um, television makers do have in terms of budgets and things like that. Um, there's definitely scope for that, Um and I think audiences would enjoy those kinds of stories, but unless somebody makes one and puts it out there, then they don't get 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 viewed, and then people can't make um, an opinion. I think in a slightly similar style, I'd suggest that the television show Redfern now um, could be compared to that kind of filmmaking, and it was actually quite um, a, a cinematically produced show. Cause a number of the directors are actually from film as well in Australia, so. I think there's, there's a precedent set there with Redfern now, which is a very successful show, so I can't, can't see why that can't be sort of expanded out into different sorts of areas. What do you think's blocking the, um, the, the movement in this direction? Because I, as you say, I, I think it would be a very interesting way to explore television and explore a, a, a different way of producing produ- programs. I think it's possible, and I'm, obviously this is speculating, um, I think it's possible that producers think that working-class stories are not interesting to the general public, that people don't want to watch uh, people working in fast food or retail hospitality, so that's not exciting or complex enough. It doesn't have the, the same levels of um, complexity that, that a lawyer might have in their job or a, or a surgeon or, or so on. 
And um, so I think there's, a, there's a, a reluctance there to go with those kinds of stories. And I think that's, that's wrong because obviously people working in, in jobs in hospitality, fast food and retail have very complex and uh, important jobs that they do. They require a lot of skill, a lot of concentration. And there's a lot of drama occurs in those kinds of workplaces as well. Um, so I think there's, a re- there's a probably a, a reluctance to tell those stories. Maybe, maybe those people who are producing stories it's not their world. They don't know that kind of world, mm-hmm. and so they haven't even thought about it. I think that's probably part of the problem. Well, maybe what you need to do is uh, start to talk to a few producers. Start producing your own show, Sarah. Well, maybe that's the way to do it. Just you know, stop talking about it and just get on with it. <laughs> exactly. Look, thanks so much for being on Communication Mixdown today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. My pleasure. And that was Sarah Atfield. She teaches, she's a teaching fellow in communications at the University of Technology, Sydney. And she was talking about Australian television drama and the way it excludes the working class and especially working class characters who are sympathetic protagonists. And that's it for Communication Mixdown this week.